Today's conversation is with a dear friend of mine, Lisa Orkin. She is a voiceover like myself and an award-winning comedy radio producer and filmmaker from LA. And we have lived like weirdly parallel lives, different circumstances, different uh, stories, but similar through lines. And the commonality are things like rejection, seeking validation. We've both experienced depression and have both used self-expression as a tool for mental well-being. So this is a really fun, light conversation and really dives into things like rejection and creating from a place of wanting to create rather than creating for validation. So enjoy this conversation. May I introduce you to Lisa Orkin. Creativity, self-expression, and feelings. Creativity, self-expression, and feelings. Make some noise, 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 make some noise. Not like it's a podcast. Okay, let's hear it. Hi, I'm Lisa Orkin, and I um, I make people laugh in through audio podcasts and commercials, and uh, I help people put their voice out there in a funny way, and I teach seniors how to do yoga. So Lisa and I have just been cracking up because we're two, we're two audio professionals who just could not organize a root in a brothel today, really. We are... Yeah. <laughs> We were trying to time a clap and it just was not working at all. Um, but we also yeah. we also have a lot in common. So we met randomly through the magic that is um, Marie Folio's B-School. But I have yeah. a feeling we would have kind of crossed paths anyway, you know. Um, we are both voiceover artists by trade. And have both worked creatively in human design terms. We're both projectors. So, and we both have like big, long stories of being like, you know, creatives who have been kind of stifled by their own self-doubt and, uh, you know, we've got a lot in common. So I really wanted to have a conversation with you today that is like my intention was really to have a conversation that's like lighthearted but also deep and brutally honest because we are both <laughs> brutally honest. Brutally <laughs> honest, yeah. And we're both creatives who have uh, struggled to fit ourselves into boxes, right? So Yeah, completely. So do you want to tell us a bit about um, your background as a creative? Um, the other thing we have in common is depression, right? Like we've both yeah, yeah. experienced mental health challenges through our life and we've both come to a place where we've found maybe a little bit more peace with who we are and and avenues to show up in the world that in ways that feel good for us. So I thought that could kind of form the basis of our conversation today, just exploring, um, you know, how you've come to this place where success doesn't look exactly as it does for other people, but you've found this peace within yourself at times <laughs> around where you are in the world now. So let's track back to where, like, you as a kid. Oh, that's so interesting. So I've actually been doing EMDR therapy. So we've been talking a lot about me as a kid. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I had a really, I was one of those kids that had a really tough time in school and they kept trying to hold me back all the time. And I was in all the slow classes and I was that, but at the same time, I was very funny personable, had lots of friends. I dressed very cute because my parents, that was the only thing they knew how to do. Poor Lisa, let's just dress her cute. <laughs> so um, so basically I was super social. I had a lot of friends and I was horrendously bad at school. I had such a hard time in school and I stared out the window a lot. I didn't feel, even though I was very social, I never felt like one of the other kids. 
I was a Jewish kid in a very Catholic neighborhood in Chicago. And so, and I looked different than everyone else. So that was pointed out to me constantly. And, um, and I was very wacky, even as a child, I was spazzy and wacky and not that, you know, like, so I had to learn how to make fun of myself very quickly in order to survive. Um, and yeah, and I ended up not even graduating high school. I left, went to drama school, pretended for years that I graduated high school. Just recently, I've been saying to people, no, I never graduated. <laughs> no, no, no. Yes, I teach at colleges and universities come and have me talk to their students about voiceover and podcasting and commercials. And I want to go, ah, yeah, I never really finished high school. Along with so, so many other extremely yeah. successful people, right? I never finished uni. Yeah. I was always a bit yeah. of a, a flaky, not not finisher. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it, it doesn't – I still say I have well, – I don't really have a Bachelor of Media Arts, but I spent four years at university. So, you know, what's the piece of paper yeah. really? <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's what I feel about high school. I did it all. I just never, whatever, I think I was missing a credit. Maybe, maybe I wasn't, maybe I haven't. And I just never, never asked for it. Not a finisher. Now I am. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Me too. So you mentioned, yeah. what was the therapy that you mentioned before? ED? I'm t- EMDR. So it's like, uh, what it does is it changes your, you know, I've always feel very stuck when it comes to money and creativity, never get the two, the two are not friends in my brain. And so I'm trying to retract my brain raves with this sort of buzzy, it's like a little thing you hold in each hand. It's, it's kind of like that little egg that women buy for other things, but you hold it in each hand. So it's like it multi-purpose, multi-purpose item. It's, you can it's multi-purpose. It. Yes. You could use it for that or you could use it to retrack your brain. Maybe even all at the same time. Not positive, but not in front of a therapist, hopefully. So it does that and then it beeps from ear to ear. So you go through and you sort of talk about things and you find other things to sort of retrack it and change the story in your head. Wow. And do you do this with a therapist? I do this with a therapist once a week. I've been doing this. And so this is my way of trying to, I have tried everything else. And I I feel like I have said every mantra that's ever been invented. Yeah. And I have gone to every energy healer in the world and I have read every self-help book ever to have existed. And I have paid for every course online from every manifester that's ever lived. So I just thought I need to, I need to do something. And so Vietnam vets have been doing it. Like vets do this, not just Vietnam, but all vets. So that's what I'm doing. It's really to all these little things that you gather in your life, build upon each other. And whether it's one big thing that happened or, or a bunch of small things that happened, it shaped how you saw the world. And so the way the world got shaped to me, I just learned how not to really trust anything ever Mm. or let myself be nurtured or be nurtured. So that's what I'm learning to do. Yeah, right. And I guess like there are so many different modalities and shit we can use, right? Like for me, my go-to for the last year has been um, actually, I'm going to record a, an episode of Philosophies on this, but it's like I've created this board of directors for my life. So, oh. so, um, so I have like you know trusted people that are some are paid on you know like coaches and stuff, um, and some are just trusted friends, but they make up this like board of directors for my life. And they're the people that I go to, to move through shit. And one of those people is a kinesiologist and kinesiology, you know, it has like these eye movement things that you do, which is actually, um, very similar. Yeah. Used on vets as well, because it's like, Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's like flicking between the hemispheres of the brain or just interrupting the patterns of thought or what it is, but it definitely does something. Yeah, it's the same thing as what I'm doing. It basically makes your eyes move. I can feel my eyes go back and forth as we do it. 
So it's the same. How do we always get to the same place? I know, it's so weird. Through different it's, different avenues. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, in different parts of the world. Yeah. Both sunny. Yeah, both very sunny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what have been the ways that creativity has, like, it's obviously played a huge role in your life from, like, your childhood and probably back then almost as a survival mechanism. What are the ways that it plays out today? Because I know that you are quite an evolved human being for lack of a want of a grosser term. Um, but, But, you know, you've done so much work on yourself, so much self-awareness stuff. Um, like what is your, how is your relationship with creativity different now than it was back then? Is it still something that you use as a protective shield? Yeah, it's interesting because I think I have been letting go of really my voiceover company that makes commercials. And, uh, I am basically full on creating what I want, how I want to do it. So like even somebody came to me last week and said, can you do this for us? And I said, no. And earlier I would have done it just because I thought, oh, I need to make that money. And now I'm like, no. And my other thought is if you want me to create something for you and you want to pay me less than what I'm asking, then I get full creative control. Mm. Done deal. So to me, I no longer... I no longer want to be the support person. I want to be the person on on top. And if I see it goes that way, I see it. Go- I just created some commercials for a CBD brand. One of them, hilariously funny. And they didn't take it. And I just said to oh, them, yeah, that- that's, yeah, yeah. And I said, that's nice. So you know what? I'm going to sell that to someone else, just so you know. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not. I'm not playing those games anymore. And then I think with my own podcast, it's so make-believe that it's been the most healing thing in the world for me. Um, that I that I make people be the people I want to talk to that I would never be able to get on my show is super healing. And if they come in studio and they and they start to talk out of character, I'm like, no, 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 no. No, you have to be that person. So tell so, us yeah. about tell us about um, Project Woo Woo. So Project Woo Woo, I have all my brilliant comedian and actor and improv friends in Los Angeles who are all like world class players. I make them pretend to be people I've always wanted to talk to, whether it's Carl Sagan or President Lincoln or Tony Robbins or Thich Nhat Hanh or Oprah. Oprah, Oprah, I made Oprah interview me. So, um, yeah, so, so yeah, so that way I just get to have conversations with the people I want to talk to. Psycho. And it's so good. It's so, it's so freeing. I talked the other day to Adam, uh, first man, Adam Fidley. Adam Adam. and Eve. Yeah. Oh yeah, cool. And, and he was fascinating. And then a few weeks ago, I talked to Thomas Jefferson Literally, I looked in the parking lot of the studio. He dressed like Thomas Jefferson. (laughs) So all I saw was a powdered wig in the parking lot on a cell phone. And I was like, I love you. I love you. So, yeah, it's been really fun. And how long have you been doing that now? Nearly a year. Yeah. Near. Yeah, I guess it'll be a year in July. I started. You remember, I started sort of trying to conceive it about a year ago. Mm. And it took me a while. And what was interesting, too, from a creative standpoint, it morphed and shifted over and over again. Yeah, because this was something like, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, this was something that you approached differently to other things that you've created, where I think Mm -hmm. uh, you and I can be similar in that bull at a, a, you know, bull at a gate kind of approach to life. So we have the idea and it's like quick run, where this one, you took a more considered approach, would you say? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And it's funny, I'm doing another podcast and I'm taking a more considered approach. I am. Yeah. I took three months to sort of, sort of conceive it before I even recorded one. And And how did you find that? How did you find that? Like what, what is your standard approach and, and how did it, how did you approach this 
differently? I understand like obviously there was a more considered approach, but how did you actually find the process for you personally? You know what? I actually kind of really liked it. I kept running it by people I really trusted and then getting feedback from them because I wasn't even sure what it completely looked like. First, I was going to just make people pretend to be self-help people, but I couldn't do that. It, like people couldn't grasp that. So so then I, I, I just kept trying different things. Then I even took on a partner to sort of do it with me. And she quickly was like, I don't get what you're doing. <laughs> cause it is like, it's like, a bit out there, right? Like it's a bit out yeah, there. Yeah. And it's funny. Cause one of my really trusted friends who I took it to, who was like, I don't get it at all. Just the other day, she said to me, I was so wrong. She goes, I so missed it. I so didn't see what you were doing. And, and, uh, and she goes, and you were so cautious and careful with your self that it, I didn't, I didn't even know how to follow you, but it, I think, I think it's a good way to work. Actually, it's better than me throwing stuff out there out of emotion. Mm, yeah. Because I think a lot of times I, my work, my creativity comes out of trying to solve a problem emotionally and and this was was not that emotionally within you or emotionally within yeah. others emotionally within me so like i think like i have a old podcast actually it's i think it's still it's still going but um cuz i just put them all on and they're just weekly go up called love bites and i was coming out of a breakup and i decided to just recreate little moments from my love life cuz i was so angry and they're hilarious and uncomfortable and funny but I only had 45 of them because I wasn't angry anymore. So I wanted something sustainable. Mm. And so I think it's better to take my time so it can be sustainable. So, you know, so other podcasts I did, you know, I was going to interview only men and I did that for 25 episodes and I went, I'm bored, which is okay too. Totally. Yeah. And then I did like 25 self-help ones with help, help people trying to give me advice. And I was like, that's not it either. And then I just thought, what is, what is it that I do best to that's act and make believe? And then why not use all my friends when all of us are not doing anything during the day most of the time? Cause we're waiting or we're out trying to get work or we're auditioning. So we can take an hour to do this. And so was the motivation for this different? And I ask this question because, you know, I relate to what you say about like when you're creating, sometimes it's from an emotional need within you, right? So for me, yeah. I've created a lot over the years from an emotional need of feeling unseen and unheard. So it's like, you know, it what I've created has been a almost like a repelling <laughs> look at me, look at me kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what I was doing too. Right. It was almost not being seen and heard and not knowing how to use my talents to the best of my ability to make something greater than that. Because I think that my reaction always has been, and I also made a decision that I was going to be a podcaster. And that was that, like I was going from radio to podcasting and, and what does that look like? And how do I do that? And then I also, my dad died. So that shifted it all. And so living under his shadow shifted um, because he was was a very famous radio guy. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and then um, I started working for Jonathan Fields. So I got to see behind the podcast and I was like, I can do that. And I saw how completely considered everything he did was. How completely planned out, how completely everything. And I just went, I need to look at this from a business point of view. So that was part of it. Wow. So when it comes to me, I do everything on the fly. There's no... um you know, there's not a lot of consideration to long-term plans because I do get bored easily like you. 
It's like, you know, I start something, um, uh, you know, I probably stick with things a little bit longer than I should sometimes. So it's like, you know, Carlosophies started off with me interviewing people, stories behind success. And I mean, I did do that for nearly three years. So that's like quite a good stint, right? That's done. Yeah. No, like that's three years is a long time. It's not like, you know, like, what is it like, like 3% of all podcasts are yeah. not updated after seven or six weeks. Yeah, seven episodes. seven episodes. Most podcasts don't go beyond seven episodes. Um, so to have done like over 150 episodes <laughs> on in one, like that's quite an achievement. And then I morphed it. Like the way that you morphed, um, honestly, Lisa, you know, from yeah. something into something else. I've done the same with Carlosophies, I guess. And then I felt like I needed another creative outlet. And creativity is something that has been quite healing for me and I could see how it has definitely impacted, you know, how it plays such a big role in self-awareness and expression is so important in our mental well-being. So exploring that in a podcast, but but it's still and I did take a longer runway for this. Usually it's like, shit, I'm gonna do a podcast. I better run run faster than my self-doubt and get this thing out there. Because otherwise I end up in this space, which I'm sure you were feeling while you were, uh, you know, cultivating and refining where it's like, "Ah, is this thing ever going to come out? Because it's like, "Ah." yeah. And you know, I had so much self-doubt on this podcast before I launched it. I was so, I've never been more, I think the taking a long time Mm. gave me so much more room to sort of really doubt what I was doing. Mm, Yes. But I had invested in a logo. And so I felt like I invested, I bought a logo. I bought a website. I made a website and I bought a logo. I can't turn around now, (laughs) you know, but I wanted to. And you put it out there too, right? Like it's, yeah. sometimes it's about that commitment because I, I was like, oh, got this idea, make some noise had the artwork created and actually just said, oh, I'm starting this podcast. And it was really primarily due to that, that I continued on to see it through, right? Because <laughs> yeah, if I hadn't, it yeah. would have just been another another steaming turd on a pile of shit ideas that I'd had. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think that, but I think to get, I think both you and I, we had a, I was just listening to Mark Marin's 1000th episode. He started off doing comedy bits in his yeah. original Mark Marin show. Like all of, like he really developed into a very different show. Um, you and I just did it with different shows. Yeah. And, and, yeah. yeah. And, and, and the same show too, right? And this is, this yeah. is a, I think this is imp- an important piece because, when it comes from f- to the podcasting, you know, I've worked with over 150 podcasters with Radcasters, and one of the things that I see stop them is this, like, fear of long-term commitment to things. So they feel yeah. like that, you know, and this is why I feel like most podcasts only make it to seven episodes because there is this real fear of, like, well, what if I run out of things to say? How could I possibly sustain this long-term you know, it means that like I'm going to have to be talking about whatever it is that I'm talking about forevermore. And so there's this fear of committing long-term to anything like that for what it's going to drain from us. But where I guess where we're different is we allow ourselves the permission to like change and morph and follow our heart and follow our voice and let it lead rather than stick ourselves into boxes and just yeah. feeling like we're trapped there, you know? And that's, I think with Project Woo Woo, the interesting thing is it can be anything I want it to be. Mm. So if I have an actor who doesn't want to play a character but has a character they'd like to, like doesn't want to play a real person, I just let them make something up and then we dig into that. And so, and so that opens me up like that. There's no boundaries with it. It's all make believe. Mm. So it doesn't really matter if it's a real character or if it's someone we made up that we can actually pretend exists for 45 minutes. Yeah. And so that brings up an interesting question. What like, because there are, so what you have, do you, okay. So this is the question. Do you feel like 
creativity needs constraints? No, I, I, I think it, it's, it's interesting. I had a dream the other night that my mom, who, who's no longer living, I was visiting her and she was living in San Francisco, which she didn't, in a beautiful apartment that was super expansive. There was windows everywhere. And what I took from that dream was there's no limits. And below her was, it, was an art studio, a mixed media art studio that I went and visited that was all in black and white and red. And I just thought, no, there is, I think there, we want to make a box. We want to, because it feels more safe. I have my weighted blanket on me while I talk to you. So that's sort of the similar. Yeah. yeah, But what a good metaphor, right? Because I do feel like there needs to be some constraint around creativity as in you are showing up for it. That's a, you know what? You read my mind. So the constraint is somebody said to me yesterday, Oh, so you're behind? You're not. I go, Yeah, so I got to do a few. And he goes, Well, so what if you skip a week? Who cares? Yeah, right. Who cares? Yeah. You do. And I said, I do. And for those people listening, if I skip a week, even if it's three people, I've let three people down. And I'm not going to let three people down down or myself. Yeah. Yeah. So no, I, that's where it's boxed in Mm. is that it, it has to, A, it can't be on like some silly app that's only going to be around for five minutes. It has to be, if I'm going to do it, I have to do it right. It has to go out into the world. It has to have social media behind it. It has to have a feed and that's where the constraints are. So that's what I learned from Jonathan is that he had all of that perfectly in shape so he could just do it. Yeah. So have having the systems and the, like, it's like you almost have like left brain side of creativity, which is the constraints or the parameters or the boundaries within which you create the things that make it, um, make showing up to be creative more possible. And then you yeah. have the freedom to create whatever you want because you've got these kind of constraints in place. Yeah. And I think those are important. I think the biggest rule and I, um, I teach too, I teach as well. And one of my rules is you have to show up and you have to say yes. So if you're going to say you want to go into the world and create, then don't you dare. When I say, let's get on stage and do something. No, I can't do that. All right. Well then leave. That, I mean, I'm that mean in, in what I'm teaching. I'm like, okay, well then don't do it. Then, then why are you here? So you have to play and fall down. Mm. You have, you have to be able to fall down because if you, if you can't fall down, you can't play. So I think that's a, that to me is like a box in a weird way. The box is you have to be able to take a risk. Yeah. You have to be willing to, I mean, this is so cliche, you have to, because there is risk, there is risk associated with any creating, right? Like there is risk, A, that it might not work out, you know, especially to our own expectations of it, B, that it might not be well received by others, C, you might not enjoy it at all. I mean, there's so many risks involved in creating, but you have to be, you know, this is where the cliche quote comes in willing to feel the fear and do it anyway. Yeah. You have, you have to, you have to just not even, it's not that I'm not afraid. I'm always afraid. And I just did. Yeah. And Thomas Jefferson came on this week and I, when I saw the audiogram uh, or listened to it, I went, Oh my gosh. Oh no. People are going to think I'm a horrible person. I can't, he was a slave owner. And, and I, now I'm feeling like, am I glorifying that? I'm certainly not, but I don't want people to perceive that. And I, I literally had like a, on my editor, I was like, no. So yeah. Yeah. And, then, and so how was that received? It actually, the biggest podcast, right launch the biggest drop day drop day I've ever had yeah and isn't that so funny because it's like I just recorded an episode a few for Carlosophies a few weeks ago which was about depression and I was talking about it being um you know as part of like a life ecosystem we have like weather depressions but then we want to box our mental health into 
you know, like um, something inherently wrong with us, something that needs fixing when sometimes it's actually just like part of a natural progress of life. And I was really concerned about putting it out there because it's not, you know, there are very, you know, you don't, you don't want to say the wrong thing or trigger something in someone else. Um, yeah. And there are mental health conditions that aren't just like a weather depression. And I don't want to minimize people's experience around mental health because it's their own individual journeys. And so it's really right. like, oh God, feeling stretched where for me, I'm someone who bears my soul on a weekly podcast walking on the beach, you know? <laughs> so it's like, for me to feel vulnerable and exposed is a rare thing. But each time I do it, each time I stretch beyond that like comfort zone of what feels comfortable, they're, they're always the episodes that resonate the most with people. They're the, always the episodes that move people the most and they're always the ones that I get the most feedback on. It's bizarre. It is. It's very strange. The other one, I there was one I almost didn't put up because I thought, oh, no, this sounds really not okay, which was we did, um, what's her name? Spark Joy. Um, oh, Marie Kondo. Mar yeah, Marie Kondo. And I had my friend who's a guy play her and he's a rough, tough East Coaster, but he loves her. And when I heard it, he talked about panties maybe a little too much. And I was like, <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't know. But you know what? Again, one of my top episodes. So I don't know. I And recently I've started a new endeavor. And I, Saturday night, I wrote three episodes of a half hour scripted dramedy. And I had my friends all read it out loud Saturday night so I could see where it is. For two days, I was impossible to be around before it happened. Oh my God, yes. I was so nervous. I was so scared. I so, and then when it was going on, I taped it because I knew I wouldn't be present and um, I could barely talk. I was so nervous. Yes. So that brings me, I've actually, I'd actually written down a couple of words that I wanted to explore and this ties perfectly in with that. And one is the vulnerability piece, but the other is the rejection piece, right? So there's a couple of elements here. Both of us have a background in performance. For me, it was in broadcasting, radio, and for you as an actor, uh, there is a lot of rejection involved <laughs> in those fields, right? So yeah. I'm interested to explore what you see the, um, the relationship between creativity, like successfully creating whatever that means, that the relationship between creating rejection and vulnerability. Big question. Yeah, but. <laughs> it's it's interesting because you make you you make yourself vulnerable to be rejected, and you will get rejected sometimes. And then you know, does that? Well, and then you got like the. And then is that going to throw me into a heap of a depression? And because it can, so and it and it, it does, can, yeah. Yeah. And so, and then am I going to be very dark and not want to get out of bed for weeks? Um, yeah, I, I, I think it's a very weird circle. It's a triangle really, right? Because mm. you have to be vulnerable to be creative. And at the same time, if you're going to be vulnerable, you, you will be rejected at different yeah, points. Yeah, because you totally are opening yourself up for that. Yeah, I find lately I get really angry with people who don't understand that within my life. <laughs> Is there like, I'll be like, they'll be like, you know, I no, you have no idea what it's like to put something that came out of your brain out into the world for people to judge. Like that is a, that, no, that is hot. That's, that's overwhelming and scary. And, and so, what is it, Brene? Yeah, I, I Brene mean, Brown. Yeah. So why do we do it? Why do you do it? it? Makes, <laughs> I think, uh, well, I think it makes me, it, it's like, makes me feel alive. I think it's a little bit of an adrenaline thing. You know, it's like when I used to do stand up before I'd get on stage, I'd be like, I am not going out there. I don't need to. I could go home. I could leave this stage right now. I just could turn around and leave. I need those people to see me. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going on. You know, and it's like, what, what I, you know, cause yeah. I keep wanting people to like me, Carly. 
<laughs> please see me. Please see me. No, please and- <laughs> see me. Yeah, really see. And no one's ever going to see me the way I think I need to be seen, I'm sure. Absolutely. And the work that I've been doing on myself over the past year has been almost healing that like, it's almost like there's just this little kid that's like, I'm sitting here and I'm invisible and everybody please see that I'm here. See me in my world of pain or whatever, like, you know, just see me. And I've done so much work on healing that. And, and I feel like it almost comes down to us and it it does us needing to see ourselves. And I, I kind of feel like that's the place where we're, we're both slowly coming to where it's like it's not necessarily now about being seen it's not about the validation that we get from what we create but it's about us seeing our truth and expressing that into the world and then it doesn't matter so much if it's rejected you know yeah I yeah somebody recently said on an interview somewhere if if they don't get what I do, they're just not sexy enough person to get me. And I was like, yeah, yeah. I was like my fair. I was like, yeah, I was like, he was so confident and went, you know what? If they don't get me, they're just not sexy enough to get me. And I was like, you know what? That's a great attitude. Totally. Totally. And yeah. Cause it wasn't about him being seen. It was about him just doing the work. Right. And I feel like that, that is something that has definitely changed within me is like, it really doesn't now matter so much still in the in the you know integration of this balance um but it doesn't matter it's not the the motivation is not no longer for me to be oprah because i never could be yeah. um it's now to honor myself and to see myself and what needs to be expressed from within me not not the external what do i need to create for others Yeah, I think there's a line where they're like, what can I do to serve others? Mm. Which I think is a trap. Because I think if you're worried about how you're going to serve others, you're not serving yourself. And I actually believe that you serve others by serving you and not worrying about... You know, there used to be this thing in marketing. It's like, find out what their pain points are and then focus on it. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. Right. And you know what? That's horrible. Mm. No, this is this is what it is. This is what it solves. If you want it, take it. If you don't, don't. Like, I, I, I literally think that was a bad... It, it it's, did not serve me. It certainly <laughs> did not serve me. And I think, like, yeah. for some people, maybe that, that does serve. But there's this part where... And maybe it's because of our background in performance and having to audition and go up and say, yeah. am I good enough for this role? Am I, that's what kind of the energy of it, right? Like, am I good enough? Are you going to see me? Rejection, 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 and rejection. And when you've experienced that much rejection, um, you know, everything else is just more rejection. So so it can be a super pain, painful place to be. And when, and when it comes to, like, just being of service, for people like us who have experienced all this rejection have almost come to expect it, then it's like, well you know, it, it turns into like, almost like a martyrdom, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I have a really interesting story that sort of plays that really well. I, my, my very first film, my big film I ever did, I starred in was directed by this really cool woman. And it was produced by this guy named Adam McKay, who now is like an Academy Award winning um, director. And I, she then was going on to do another movie right after ours, which won a bunch of awards that I helped write and I starred in. And so this time she was doing a movie with, um, Kristen Wiig. Oh yeah. And I was like, hey, I was like, Hey, I, w- I want to be in the movie. What, what I should have a nice role in that movie. I helped her do her first movie. I was given an extra role. Basically I gave birth to Kristen Wiig. I had no lines and um you were like the disney mother killed off in the first scene (laughs) yes it's exactly it and honestly i should have said wow that is not acceptable that is not acceptable considering how come you're making this movie that you actually owe it to me to give me something a little better there (laughs) and you could not but you know what i didn't i ate it and i did that and then Kristen wig was kind of shitty to me And then she figured out, oh, that's the girl who started her first movie. 
So then I just sort of went, oh, I'm just doing a, uh, what's it called? Like a, you know, a cameo. Well, I'm not Sylvester Stallone. I can't do a cameo. (laughs) I'm an actress that no one's heard of. So therefore, I can't really do a cameo. So, um, and it, it felt horrible. I think it felt horrible for, and then we went to go see the movie and we weren't on the list and my boyfriend and I had to sit separately. Oh God. Um, and I was like, you know, I, 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 there was a part of me that should have went, you know what? That's not okay. But I just took the rejection and I, yeah, it's fine. I'm just going to, I'm going to just sit away from my boyfriend. Like literally yeah. victim, victim city, man. Totally. And not yeah. seeing yourself. Feeling completely unseen because you're not seeing your own needs and you're not expressing those needs. It's like, this is not okay. Yeah. And I, and it's like, no wonder I wasn't, didn't get a nice part in that movie. Cause I, I didn't, I didn't stand for myself. And I should have just said either, okay, well, then never mind. I'm not going to do it. Thanks, though. No, thank you. And that's hard for me. That's a hard place, which is maybe why I've created my own little world of podcasting. Mm. Totally. Yes, absolutely. And like, uh, yeah, the martyrdom thing, I can can see so many areas of my life where I've been both the victim of my own circumstances and, and played the martyr where it's like, you know, the world is against me. Yeah. And it really has been that I have not been seeing my own worth and I have not been expressing my own needs. And this is such a common thing for women, right? To sit in yeah. resentment and bitterness or humans in general, but um you know, to sit in this place where we almost expect people to psychically vibe into our needs without having to be vulnerable and be open to the rejection of expressing what our needs are. Yeah. And I think being vulnerable is not being a victim. Yes. I think, yeah. And I mean, I think that's where it gets a little confusing because then you feel bad because you opened yourself up and you were vulnerable. But, and it also doesn't mean like standing up for yourself. It's basically just knowing your own worth. Mm. Yeah. I think, and and I think. Being willing to back that shit up. Yeah. And and that's what I think I've always had trouble doing. And yeah, taking, you know, oh yeah, just give me the scraps. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I like, yeah, I wasn't asking for a lot. Well, I should have been asking for a lot. That's my fault. I wasn't asking for a lot. No, no, I don't need much. Thanks. Yeah. No, bad. I'll just take bad a little Lisa. bit. I'll just take whatever you've got left over. Yeah, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. And then inside yeah, and then inside is going, I'm so not okay with this. <laughs> yeah, but that's okay. I'll eat it and then my stomach will hurt and I'll feel bad about myself. But don't you worry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> that's the and I th- I and so working through that has been really hard. And I think that's why for me, you've been such an interesting mirror because you and I, so across the world, we mirror each other Mm -hmm. as we move ahead in this game called life. We both sort of go, oh, oh. And we've both actually, I think in the last, maybe, I don't know, a few years just went, yep, we're podcasters. That's what we do. Totally. And just like stepping into that and owning it regardless. Like, Because this is the thing, right? It it really, and it sounds like sometimes I question whether this is actually true or just a story I tell myself, but this, this is something that I would be doing regardless of whether anybody was listening, because even if I wasn't recording it, I'm still having these conversations with you, right? Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. We have these, right. We Facebook message each other. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. So I, Absolutely. I'd still be making, pretending with my friends. I would just be maybe doing it on stage. But this way I get to share it with a lot more people, mm. like three more people. Mm. No. So yeah. yeah. So, mean, amazing, yeah. Right? so I, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like too, like in this world of LA where I never feel seen and I work all the time and never feel seen. Um, 
I get to create my own weird world. And like, so the, the scripted podcast I'm doing is basically the TV show that never happened, but I'm an audio expert. Right. So I can do it. Yeah. Right. So this is, I think this is paramount when it comes to if, you know, if anyone is thinking like, what, what do I create in this world? Like, yeah, it's all good to be talking about creativity and making things and whatever. What do I create in this world? Well, what did you want? Like, what, what did you, what do you want someone else to do for you? What are you waiting to have handed on a platter to you? Just go out there and create it yourself. And be open to seeing it in a different shape because this is not the shape I imagined. Totally. But this is a cooler shape and I have more control over it all. You can make it into whatever you want it to be, right? Yeah. Anything I want it to be. I, I Literally, I spent the whole morning working on the script of one of the episodes and it's like, oh, I can... I can fly. I can fly an expert in there. I can put anything I want. I could do, I can create whatever I want. I think it's that little multimedia studio I saw below my mom's house in my dream. Like I can make it anything. And, and it's not how I imagined it. I imagined I'd be on TV or on Broadway. Podcasting didn't exist. But this is actually very cool. I get to make believe. I get to make it up. We all get to make it up. Totally. Because we do have more power than we, um, you know, give ourselves. And this, this is the way that we see ourselves. You know, it is the way that we get to have full agency over what we create in the world. We don't have yeah. we don't have to wait for people's permission to do right to follow our wildest dreams. No, we can yeah, and just it's like again with the box, look outside the box because this is not what I imagined this what this piece that I made years ago was going to be made for. But it's better. You know, when I wrote it originally I had to be careful of settings because oh we can't we can't do that because that costs too much money and we can't do this. But in podcasting, I can put it anywhere. So, yeah, it's a big, it's a, it's, yeah, sky's the limit. Sky's the limit. In any art. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, totally. I think that's the key, right? Is not to like, so, so many, the things that I've done where I have, had to have all of the T's and the I's dotted and everything perfect and I've been so invested in it looking a certain way, other things that haven't worked. But when I have had parameters and and some kind of constraints in place and then allowed myself to do whatever the fuck I wanted within the, those parameters and made it fun, that's when things have worked. It's been a, a beautiful surprise. But when we have this, like, this is the thing about creativity, I feel it's like, you know, so often we fall into the trap of having a fully, um, a, a fully detailed picture of what we want to create. And then we go about creating and, and the thing doesn't meet up with the expectations that we set. And then we deem it as a bit of a failure. Yeah. And, and it's so interesting because there creatively there are no failures really it just takes you to the next step even if the step isn't what you thought it was so like honestly lisa never really left the ground got some great interviews in there but it took me to hear and and project woo woo i don't know what's going to become of that but i know i love doing it really love doing it and even though I struggle, like, oh, I can't do it there this week. I can't do, oh, this actor's allergic. More actors are allergic to cats and can't come to my house. Um, oh, to Skype record. isn't working. What the fuck am I going to do? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Skype isn't working. So, yeah, I, I think it's really interesting that absolutely 
You know, it's like, it's not easy. I have mm. to book actors and I have to upload and I have to do very basic show notes because I hate doing show notes. But so, you know, I make it all work. Yeah, it's not. And that's an important piece too. Just because you're you're be, you're creating something doesn't mean that it's all ease and flow, right? Like there's still going to be, right. ev- before before pretty much every interview, I fall into this place of, you know, oh, maybe I could cancel yeah. <laughs> and then I jump on the call and I'm like, oh my God, this is why I do it. You know, what was I thinking? I could cancel. It's like you were saying before, yeah. standing backstage at the, you know, at the stand up and you're like, well, fuck this. I don't have to be here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like literally, and, you know, and in what I'm trying to book out, void, like people to come and do this stuff, I'm like, oh, I hate this. I, you know, it's like, this is, uh, oh, okay. I can get in studio at this time, but not at this time. Let me call the actor. Let me call the engineer. Let me call it. But the truth is I get there and then I look down in the parking lot and I see a man in a powdered wig, just like Thomas (laughs) Jefferson. It makes it all worthwhile. (laughs) It makes it all worthwhile. And you know, you don't have to dress up. It's a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Makes good social content though, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, that is the best thing ever. So yeah. Uh, so just have you got any final thoughts or anything or an invitation for people to embrace their own creativity or, um, you know, whatever, whatever pops into your head? I know it's going to be gold. Um, I, you know, I, I, to me, it's just let yourself wander, like, t- like let yourself just wander. It doesn't, there has, there doesn't have to be an end point. You can just wander and you'll come up with something. But if you try quickly to put it in a box and make it something. Yeah, rein it in. It, rein it in? Probably not. And so it's like just allow yourself to fall down and wander. So true. Because that, that's the only, that's what it's, that's what life is about. And that's what creation is about. It's just, you know, you just don't know. You don't know. You have no idea. So Yeah, and I imagine when you started, when you when you first recorded your first ever podcast, you probably could not have anticipated where this journey would take you. No. No, no, no idea. And and uh and it and I had no idea what the recording sessions would feel like. None of it. No. Not a not a clue. And now it's like the biggest part of your life. It is the biggest part of my life and people are coming to me asking to be on the show. And that's, that's huge in LA that people are actually coming to me and going, Hey, I heard about it. I want to do it. And so, yeah, it's pretty amazing. I'd like Jim Carrey to do that very soon. (laughs) Just putting that out there. (laughs) Yeah. Just putting that out to the world, like him to play God. So I haven't interviewed God and I was thinking Jim Carrey would be good as God. Oh my God. He would be amazing. Or that yeah, Andy, that, whatever. <laughs> but, yeah. but anyway, you can take either. Yeah, yeah, either is fine. Yeah, Russell Branson be good as God too. So yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It's just like a fucking pleasure as always. Oh, you're welcome. I loved it. It's just like, just like we're talking like normal. Totally, because we are. <laughs> we are. <laughs> and that's a wrap. Go to carlynimmo.com to find ways to connect to your creativity and live life on your frequency. Until next week, make some 